All right, well, good to see you in the house of the Lord this evening. If you would take your Bible and turn to Genesis chapter 37. Good to see Addison and Amy back. Certainly appreciate the air conditioning tonight. Thanks to a new meter and appreciate them taking care of that for us. Genesis chapter 37. I'm going to read the first three verses. The Bible says, And Jacob dwelt in the land wherein his father was a stranger in the land of Canaan. And these are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being seventeen years old, was feeding the flock with his brethren. The lad was with the sons of Billah and with the sons of Zilpha, his father's wives. And Joseph brought unto his father their evil report. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children, because he was the son of his old age, and he made him a coat of many colors. So tonight I want to look at Joseph's character and faithful through the circumstances of life. Faithful through the circumstances of life. Let's pray. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the opportunity we have to look in your word. We thank you for these Bible characters who lived, uh, suffered, who conquered, who overcame great obstacles and difficult times and trials. And Father, and sometimes uh, fell, and yet um, uh, overcame through the power, your power, and your spirit. We pray that you do encourage our hearts, and might we be encouraged and challenged by their life and testimony, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, the life and testimony of Joseph is a challenge to all of us. If he'd have been living today and done what was popular, he'd have pulled out the victim card. The victim card. He'd have, he'd have pulled out the victim card and say he was a victim. Well, he was. But he didn't pull out his victim card. You know, back in those days, pulling out a victim card didn't do you any good. And <laughs> uh, now we cater to them. But anyway, um, he was faithful through the ups and downs of life. You know, he was a real man. Uh, with an unblemished life and character. He's also pictured as a type of Christ in many aspects. Uh, he's hated by his brethren. We see that here in Genesis chapter 37, verses 4 and 5. And of course, Jesus was hated by his own. He came unto his own, his own received him not. He was also betrayed by his brethren, chapter 37 and verse 11. Uh, you know, they... they uh, are, are going to betray him. Uh, of course, Jesus was betrayed by his friend. Uh, sold for a price, 30 pieces of silver. Jesus was sold for the price, 30 pieces of silver. And he was loved by his father. Genesis chapter 37, verse 3. And of course, we know that Jesus uh, was beloved of the father. So he was a young, a young man. He was sorely tested. And you might say he went through... Uh, Mountain peaks and then through valleys throughout his life. And this speaks to us of the ups and downs of life until he's finally vindicated as the governor in Egypt. Uh, one commentator said this, quote, He was loved and hated, favored and abused, tempted and trusted, exalted and abased. Yet at no point in the 110-year life of Joseph did he ever seem to get his eyes off God, or cease to trust him. 
Adversity did not harden his character. Prosperity did not ruin him. He was the same in private as in public. He was truly a great man, unquote. And, of course, this is Joseph. You know, all of us, you know, all of these ups and downs of life are tests of life. Even the ups. In fact, the ups can be more difficult because it's the nature of man. You know, just think about it. It's the nature of man that he compromises in times of ease and prosperity. Let me give you several illustrations. The children of Israel compromised when they came into the land and they had to the full. And, and God warned them about this. When you come into the land and you, you are full, then you'll turn away from me. And that's exactly what they did. Exactly what they did. In time of peace and prosperity, they turned away from the Lord. You know, the, the act of toleration in 1689 brought new freedom to Baptists in England. And you know what they did? They began dialogue with Protestants. And they started entering their universities. Because they, they kind of got attracted to this higher education ideal and began to adopt Protestant philosophies, which affect us still to this day. Um, you know, after the War of Independence here in America, James Beller uh, talks about it in one of his books, I think it's American Prince Red, how, how you know, after the War of Independence and the Bill of Rights was passed and, and uh, all that, Baptists enter a period of falling away. Now that they got all their freedom, you know, they grew by leaps and bounds during the days of persecution, colonial days when they were persecuted and, 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 and that sort of thing. But now they begin to compromise. That seems to be the way human nature is. Uh, you remember it was in a perfect place where innocence was lost. That was in the Garden of Eden. And so, you know, like I say, the good times can be real tests of, of, our, of our character and our faithfulness to God. But if we look at, want to look at the ups and downs of Joseph's life, you know, he took a stand for the Lord and against evil early in his life. In verse 2 here it says, These are the generations of Jacob, Joseph being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brethren. The lad was with the sons of Bilan, with the sons of Zilpah, his father's wife. And Joseph brought unto his father their evil report. So he took a stand early against evil. He did not condone or cover for the evil of his brothers. In fact, he brought their evil report that his father... You know, they're evil. He, he reported it to their father. Now, some might say, well, what a tattletale. No. He didn't have, you know, if you read the rest of his life, you would understand that Joseph wasn't vindicative. He wasn't just looking to get people in trouble. He was reporting to their authority what they were doing was wrong and the one who had the power to do something about it, to correct it. That's not being a tattletale. Uh, you know, he, was, he, he was also loved by his father. Here in verse 3 it says, Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was son of his old age, and he made him a coat of many colors. And, and so you know, these were things that, that you know, were high mountaintop experiences, you might say, in his life 
being loved by the Father. But you know, you th- think about this. You know, it, it says he was loved because it was, he was the son of his old age. You know, that may be true, but, but if the others weren't evil, would they have not been loved by their father as well? Uh, anyway, beside all that, whether they were evil or not, doesn't mean your father doesn't love you. Many times children think because they've, they've disobeyed, parents don't like them because they correct them. That's not true. They correct them because they love you. Because they love you. He was also given dreams. Verses 5 through 11 says, And Joseph dreamed a dream, and he told it to his brethren. They hated him yet more. And he said unto them, Here I pray you this dream which I have dreamed. And behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and lo, my sheaf arose and also stood upright. And behold, your sheaves stood round about, made obeisance to my sheaf. And his brethren said unto him, Shalt thou indeed reign over us, or shalt thou indeed have dominion over us? And they hated him, yet more for his dreams and for his words. Dreamed yet another dream, and told it to his brethren, and said, Behold, I have dreamed a dream more, and behold, the sun and the moon and the eleven stars made obeisance to me. And he told it to his father and to his brethren, and his father rebuked him, and said unto him, What is this dream that thou hast dreamed? Shall I and thy mother and thy brother indeed come to bow down ourselves to thee and to the earth? His brethren envied him, but his father observed his sayings. Now, dreams, understand, in those days, of course, they didn't have written scriptures yet, as we have today. And one commentator said this about these dreams, quote, Dreams in ancient times were much attended to, and hence the dream of Joseph, though but a mere boy, engaged the serious consideration of his family, But this dream was evidently symbolical. The meaning was easily discerned, and from its being repeated under different emblems, the fulfillment was considered certain. When it was that his brethren envied him, and his father observed the saying. So the fact that his brethren, what he's saying here is the fact that his brethren envied him, they therefore must have believed that it was going to be true, that it was going to come to pass. They were jealous because of the dreams that he had. And his father observed it. He made note of it. You know, sort of like Mary, the mother of Jesus, when, 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 she, when Jesus would say certain things, it, it says of her that she, she pondered them in her heart. You know, she, she observed it that, you know, she didn't understand all that was going to happen or was concerning the Lord Jesus Christ, but she, she pondered these things as a boy, you know, when he, when he confounded the, the doctors of the law in the temple at 12 years old, you know, she did rebuke him for not being with them, but, and, and he said, well, must, don't you understand I must be about my father's business? And it says she pondered that in her heart. Uh, she understood or believed that there was something significant about this. He wasn't just being a disobedient child, 12 years old. And so, because of all these things, of course, Joseph is hated by his brethren. And this is, this is the, the downside of this. Uh, he's, he's hated by them, he's envy. They're they're envious of him. It says his brother envied him, and 
And, and so they, they, they come to hate him. You know, but why do they envy him? Why do they hate him? Uh, again, James Fawcett Brown said this, quote, Their hatred to Joseph must have had a deep, far deeper seat, must have been produced by dislike to his piety and other excellencies, which made his character and conduct a constant censure upon theirs. And on account of which they found that they could never be at ease till they had rid themselves of his hated presence. This was the true solution of the mystery, just as it was in the case of Cain. You know, 1 John 3.12 says, Not as Cain, who was of that wicked one, and slew his brother. And wherefore slew he him? Why did Cain slay his brother? Because his own works were evil and his brother's righteous. See, his brother's righteous, uh, righteous works automatically censured Cain. So why would the world, you might ask, why does the world hate you? Why does the world hate people that try to live righteous? Why does the Bible say all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution? It's because your life censures. It convicts them of their evil report. They're evil, like Joseph's life convicted his brothers of their evil. And so this is, you know, they could use use the excuse of his father's favoritism. But understand something, not only was he favored by his earthly father, he was favored by his heavenly father. Not because none of the others couldn't have been favored, but because of his relationship and fellowship he had with his father and father. That was why he was favored. And so, you know, we see this. Of course, Jesus, the Bible says in John 15, they hated me, they're going to hate you. Uh, Psalm 11 and verse 12. Psalm 11 and verse 12 also says, I'm sorry, Psalm 11, verses 1 and 2. In the Lord put I my trust. How say ye to my soul, flee as a bird to your mountain? For lo, the wicked bend their bow. They make ready their arrow upon the string, that they may privately shoot at the upright in heart. You know, if you read Baptist history, one of the things that the enemies of the Baptists admitted was they paid their rents, they were hardworking people. They were honest in their dealings. You know, they weren't, they, and they were, they were good for a society, but they hated their right living. They hated it. Because they would not submit to the church, the Roman church. And so they were hated. So, so they plan to ki- they kill him. You know, this is, this is a, a burden that Joseph bore all his life that he lived at home. To be hated by his brother. Again, wasn't because he was evil or did anything wrong. But simply because they were evil in his, in his life spoke against theirs. Uh, but 
you know, despite all this, you know, though they, though they, you know, sell him as a slave into Egypt, you know, in the temptation, I, I think that, you know, my tendency would have been, maybe I shouldn't say I think, my tendency would have been I'd have become angry and bitter for the wrong. But that, that would have resulted in the loss and favor of the favor and blessing of God. And, but Joseph, just like the little maid, remember the little maid that uh, uh, talks about in 2 Kings, I think it's 2 Kings, that was taken by the Syrians captive into the land of Assyria and became came the maid that waited on Naaman's wife. That little maid, you know, she wasn't bitter. She wasn't. She sought the good of her captors when she 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 learned that Naaman had leprosy, and she said to her her mistress, her 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 master, "Would God, but." My Lord was with the prophet in Samaria, and he would heal him of his leprosy. What was she seeking? She was seeking the good of her captors. Yeah, she could have said, it deserves them right. Let them rot to death. But she didn't. See, we're not to seek the death and desolation of those that are against us but the salvation. After all, Romans chapter 5, verses 8 through 10 says this, But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, don't forget you were an enemy at one time of God too. If you're saved, you were an enemy of God at one time. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of the Son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. So, you know, these are the, you know, He had favor, and yet at the same time He had, you might say, abuse or disfavor. If you're going to live in this world and have any effect on anyone, you're going, to, you're going to be in favor with some and you're going to be in disfavor with others. That's the way it's going to be. And this is the way it is throughout life. So, so he sold into slavery, but he goes back to being in favor again. He's brought down into Egypt. We know that in chapter 39 tells us that he's brought down into Egypt. And verse 1 says, Joseph's brought down to Egypt and Potiphar an officer of Pharaoh... Captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down thither. So, so he's bought, you know, as a slave, he's, he would be considered more of the high class. He wouldn't have been, he wouldn't have been put into to the, what we consider normally the normal slave market, when he just becomes a common laborer, making bricks like the children of Israel did for 400 years. No, he's, he's bought by, and he's, and he's, uh, uh, and, and, and so, uh, he, he bought him, and the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man. He was in the house of master. So this was a very, very well-to-do household. You know, even even in, in, in slave times, those who in well-to-do households that worked in the household had it had it fairly well. And this is a, this was a situation for Joseph. 
So he's with a family of high social standing, and the Lord, again, he's promoted because of, because of the kind of person he is. The Lord was Joseph. He was a prosperous man. He was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. So he's promoted. And, it, and then it says in verse 5, It came to pass from the time that he had made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake, and the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field. So he's serving this Egyptian, and God's making, you know, blessing his life. He's given the oversight, the management of his estate, all of his affairs. You know, everything that's under the, that, that this guy owns, Joseph is managing. He's a manager. So he's been elevated again. Though he's still a servant, he's in high standing as a servant. Very high standing. Matthew Henry said this, quote, He is given the over, er, no, those that have wisdom and grace have that which cannot be taken away from them. Whatever else they are robbed of, Joseph's brethren had stripped him of his coat of many colors, but they could not strip him of his virtue and prudence, unquote. Proverbs 12, <clears throat> Proverbs 12, and verse 24. Proverbs 12, and verse 24 says, The hand of the diligent shall bear rule, but the slothful shall be under tribute. Joseph was a diligent man. And because of that, he's, he's elevated He's elevated. It, it is easily seen. You know, diligence is something that's seen by those that are over you. Uh, Proverbs 22 and verse uh, 29. Proverbs 22 and verse 29 says, Theest thou man diligent in his business? He shall stand before kings. He shall not stand before mean men. Jeroboam was a man that was diligent in his business. And Solomon chose him to be one of his overseers because he was diligent. He was industrious. You know, when, when people see that you are diligent and you are industrious, they will promote you. But that brings him another test. <laughs> you know, his wisdom and clear judgment in the affairs of the estate, and add to that, then his handsome features. Notice verse 6 says, and he left all that he had, chapter 39, verse 6, he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, who knew not aught that he had, save the bread which he did eat. And Joseph was a goodly person and well-favored, so that he was a handsome young man. So not only was he a handsome young man, he had wisdom, he had clear judgment, he, and, and taking care of the affairs of the states. You know, he was, in a, he was, he was a, a real catch for any young lady. But Potiphar's wife cast her eyes. See, his, his prudence, his wisdom, his judgment, and his handling of the affairs, and then his handsome features attracts his master's wife. And she tries to seduce him.
Somebody said, beauty is often a snare that feeds pride, therefore must be guarded with care. Now, Joseph wasn't pride. But beauty does attract attention. You know, Absalom, the Bible says he pulled his hair. He pulled his hair. You know, a lot of us are jealous of Absalom because his hair was heavy upon him. But, and he pulled it, you know. But, but, uh, and he, was, he had good features. He was very attractive. But, you know, despite this temptation with Potter's wife, he refuses, he refuses, and again, it is falsely accused. It's falsely accused. Falsely accused by his master and put into prison. So, again, Joseph loses his position. He loses his reputation. This is what people say about you, not who you are. So these are the things that are said about him. Look, notice verse 12. And she caught him by the garment, saying, Lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and got him out. came to pass when she saw that he left his garment in her hand, which was fled forth, that she called unto the men of her house and spake unto them, saying, See, he hath thought brought in a Hebrew unto us to mock us. And he came in unto me, lie with me. And I cried with a loud voice. And it came to pass when he heard that I lifted up my voice and cried, that, I, that he left his garment with me and fled and got him out. And she laid up his garment by her until his Lord came home. And she spake unto him according to these words, saying, The Hebrew servant which thou hast brought unto us came in unto me to mock me. It came to pass as I lifted up my voice and cried that he left his garment with me and fled out. It came to pass when his master heard the words of his wife, which she spake unto him, saying, After this manner did thy servant to me, that his wrath was kindled. And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, the place where the king's prisoners were bound, and he was there in the prison. <clears throat> so again, he's he he's his position he loses his position, he loses his reputation, but he didn't lose his integrity or his character. You know, you can't help many times what people say about you. But you can't help what is true about you. And so, this is a trial. So again, Joseph could have screamed the victim card, but what does he do? Well, verse 21. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed Joseph's hand, all the prisoners that were in the prison. Whatsoever they did there, he was the doer of it. The keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand, because the Lord was with him, and that which he did, the Lord made it to prosper. Now, do you think for a minute that, that prison, the, the keeper of the prison would have given all this unto Joseph if he had been angry and bitter and constantly saying how unfair this all was, and how unjust, and how all this all this happened, and, 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 you know, crying out, victim, victim, victim. No. And God brings him into favor, neither would of the Lord. You see, God favors those who obey and trust him. 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse 30, speaking about Eli, uh, <clears throat> the man of God that came to Eli said this, Wherefore the Lord God of 
of Israel saith, I said indeed that thy house and the house of thy father should walk before me forever. But now the Lord saith, Be it far from me, for them that honor me I will honor. And them that they that despise me shall be lightly esteemed. So despite being ill-treated, misspoken of, spoken against, lied about, Joseph still honors the Lord. Joseph still does what is right. And he again is promoted. Now he's in prison. Doesn't sound like much of a promotion. But he's the keeper. He becomes in charge, basically. Although the keeper is still over him. But he's actually doing the work of the keeper. And just by chance... Pharaoh puts two of his servants in the prison. And, of course, they dream dreams. We're not going to read all this for sake of time, but they dream dreams. Chapter 40 tells us about this. They dream dreams. Joseph interprets the dreams. And, and um, Joseph told them that when you're, when you're taken off out of here, remember me. But they forget him. He's forgotten. For two years. Now two years in jail for something you didn't do is a long time. And he's just forgotten about it. Until Pharaoh dreams a dream. But see, again, what we see here is God hasn't forgotten him. God knows where he is. God put the, and we can see this as we look back on it, God put the, the baker and the butler in there at that time. And Pharaoh dreams dreams. Then he's made governor of Egypt. If you drop over to chapter 41, verse 38. Uh, of course, he interprets this dream for Pharaoh. Verse 38 through 44 says, And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, For as much as God has showed thee all this, there is none so discreet and wise as thou art. Now understand, he's talking about somebody that was just a prisoner and had been a slave, was a servant from out of the country, and Pharaoh says, Thou shalt be over my house, and according unto the word shall all my people be ruled. Only in the throne will I be greater than thou. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, See, I have set thee over all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh took off his ring from his hand and put it upon Joseph's hand, arrayed him in vestures of fine linen, and put a gold chain about his neck, made him to ride in the second chariot which he had, and they cried before him, Bow the knee. He made him ruler over all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I am Pharaoh, and without thee shall no man lift up his hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. So he's made a governor in the land of Egypt. He goes from the prison right to a throne. Second in command, you might say, in Egypt. He's given a new name, Zaphnath 
Pania, I guess that's how you say it, which means revealer of secrets, preserver of life, or could mean savior of the land. After all, he's the one that interpreted the dreams that's going to save the land of Egypt. Therefore, they gave him that name. He's promoted, he's praised, he's reverenced, he's given a wife. Verse 45, Pharaoh called Joseph's name Zaphnath Penah, and he gave him to wife Asenath, the daughter of Potphori, priest of On, and Joseph went out over all the land of Egypt. Now this, this wife was, this marriage, uh, it brought him into a priestly caste of idolatry. But there's no indication it really affects Joseph. We don't see, there's no record that it changed Joseph. However, you know, again, this is, these are tests. However, Ephraim Manasseh, who brought idolatry into Israel? Jeroboam. And Jeroboam was an Ephrathite. Ephraim and Manasseh were constant troublemakers. When Gideon conquered the Midianites, they were angry because they were not called and threatened to fight with Gideon. When Jephthah conquered uh, the children of Ammon, they were again angry and went to war with Jephthah. And then, of course, Jeroboam brought idolatry into Israel. In Joshua 17, they were complaining to Joshua because they didn't give enough land. Joshua said, you're a people of great power. Go and possess the mountain. They said, we cannot. There was lack of trust in God there. That was evident in these two tribes. And Hosea 4.17 says this, Ephraim is joined to idols. Let him alone. And one commentator said this, that Joseph up until this time seems to be the most exalted one in the line in the family of Jacob. However, Judah takes his place. Joseph is passed over and Judah takes his place. He believed because of the idolatry that was introduced there. So this became a snare in his family. You know, the devil's so sly. You know, one of the things that Pharaoh wanted to do with the children of Israel, he wanted to make a compromise with Moses. Remember when, when, when they were having the plagues in Egypt and, and so on, and, and Pharaoh says, well, who, who's going to go? And Moses said, well, let's go with our our." Wives and our children and our cattle. He said, no, you, you men can go. You let the wives and children here. He said, sorry, you men serve the Lord, but not the wives and the children. You know, if, God, if, the, if the devil can infect the children, he ruins the families. So this didn't affect... Joseph directly, 
but did eventually affect his family. Uh, you know, he refused Potiphar, but he did not refuse this idolatrous wife. So he's given, he's given power and authority, and this is, and somebody said, of course, quote, the test of a man's character is what he will do with power. So what's he do with it? Well, what he does with it is tested when his brothers come. Go to chapter 45. Chapter 45. In verse 1, Then Joseph could not refrain himself before all them that stood by him, and he cried, Cause every man to go out for me. And there stood no man with him, while Joseph made himself known unto his brethren. And he wept aloud, the Egyptians, the house of Pharaoh, heard. Joseph said unto his brethren, I am Joseph, doth thy father yet live? And his brethren could not answer him, for they were troubled at his presence. And of course, this is after he has tested them and, and you know, accused them of things. You know, he, what he's doing is trying them to see, see if they're sorry for their sin. And of course, they're, they're, they're mumbling all over themselves and confessing their sin before him, and they don't really know who he is. You know, but anyway, and then it says, And Joseph said unto his brethren, Come near to me, I pray you. And they came near, and he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. Now therefore, be not grieved nor angry with yourselves, that you sold me thither. For God did send me before you to preserve life. For these two years that the famine, hath the famine been in the land, and yet there are five years in which there shall neither be earing nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now it was not you that sent me hither, but God. And he hath made me a father to Pharaoh and lord of all his house, and he ruleth throughout all the land of Egypt. You see, he understood that God allowed him to be sold into Egypt. God allowed it. And God worked out his purposes. You know, despite what man does, God works out his purposes for his good. We call this the providence of God. You know, Romans 8, 28, 29. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Now that all things mean the good and the bad. For whom he did foreknow, them he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. See, God allows good things and bad things, trials into our life to to conform us, to bring about change in our lives. Ephesians 1, chapter, or verse 7. Ephesians 1, 7 also says... Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 7 says, In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to the good pleasure which he hath purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might be gathered together in one all things in Christ, 
both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him, whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ. It says here that God worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. You know, the setting aside for a temporary time of the Jewish people was to bring in the Gentiles, and the bringing in the Gentiles is going to emulate to jealousy the Jewish people, and it's going to result in the fruit of eventually bringing back in the, the nation of Israel, bringing an end to their sins, as we looked at Sunday night. You see, because Joseph had submitted or trusted in God, submitted his life to the divine will, God's plan and purposes were brought to pass through him, and God was glorified. See, whatever, wherever he found himself, he looked at it as, why is the Lord, or what is the purpose of God for me here? What is the purpose of God for me here? He didn't look at it as, oh, I've been wronged again. He looked at it as, what is the purpose of God for me in this? That's what James chapter 1 teaches. Count us all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing the trying of your faith worketh patience. You let patience have a perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, winning nothing. As I said at the beginning, prosperity often results in our turning away. From God and ease. Ease and prosperity. Study the Bible, study history, and that's what you'll see. God's people throughout Bible and throughout history, when there's ease and prosperity, it always results in compromise and apostasy. But when there's difficulties and hardships, men turn to God. They realize they need Him. You know, it's the Laodicean church that was prosperous and had ease that was lukewarm. Not cold or hot. So, Joe, Joe, so Joseph, you know, submitted to, to, the, to the Lord's will in his life, whatever it was, and whatever he, was, whatever he endured or passed through, he tried to glorify God in that. Again, and we need to understand that Joseph did not always understand why. Joseph did not understand why until Pharaoh's dream. So for 13 years of being separated from his family, for 13 years, that's how long it's believed that he was from the time he was sold into Egypt until the time he became governor over the land of Egypt, they believe it to be 13 years. For 13 years, he didn't know why he was sold into Egypt. He just believed that God had a purpose in it. And continued to faithfully and without bitterness and anger serve God. You know, that's a challenge. And he was not forsaken. The Bible says, let your conversation be with covetousness, for he has said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. 
So we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Hebrews 13, 5 and 6. So he, he was not forsaken. In fact, he, he says, God sent me here to preserve life, to save you, though you meant it evil. We find another example of this in the scriptures in Esther chapter 4. Esther chapter 4. You know, Esther, being a Jewess, finds herself in a difficult place, a very trying place. You know, and the Jews are destined to be slaughtered. But in Esther 4, 13, 14, it says this, And then Mordecai commanded to answer Esther, Think not to thyself. Thou shalt escape in the king's house more than all the Jews. For if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. But thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. And who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Esther, you're in this place because God has a purpose for you here. God has a purpose for us. We need to be submitted. Here's, you know, we need to be submitted to Him in that purpose, even if it is difficult, even if it is trying. You see, Joseph's adversities, his adversaries, his evil brothers, the false accusers, Potiphar's wife, and those of his house. You know, all his slavery and his power and exaltation in Egypt, all that was an attempt to ruin his fellowship and trust in God. You know, he could have said, hey, I've arrived. (laughs) And now you boys, you remember that dream I had? Yeah, you're going to bow down to me now. He could have been exalted with pride. Many a man did. Many men do. Uzziah, one of the good kings that Judah had, reigned for 52 years. He was lifted up in pride, thought he'd go into the temple. Struck with leprosy. We see, Joseph prevailed. Joseph trusted in God through the good times and the bad. He had learned, as what Paul said, he had learned in what server state he was to be content. He knew how he knew how to abound, he knew how to suffer need. He knew that. You know, you think about it, the things or how he responds in different different situations. You know, when he, was, the, the, when he was in prison and the, the butler and the baker come to him with dreams, this is what he said, do not interpretations belong to God. He didn't say, oh, I can tell you what the dream means. He said, do not interpretations belong to God. Standing before Pharaoh, he answered Pharaoh saying, it is not in me. God shall give Pharaoh an answer of peace. God shall give Pharaoh an answer of peace. 
And after Jacob's death, and his brethren are fearful of him, again, Joseph says unto them, Joseph said unto them, Fear not, for am I in the place of God? I mean, he's exalted. He's reverenced. He's been promoted in Egypt. He's a ruler in Egypt. But he says, Am I in the place of God? Do you remember what Pharaoh said to Moses when God, Moses said, Let my people go? Moses said, Who's the Lord that I should obey him? But Joseph says, Am I in the place of God? But as for you, ye thought it evil against me, but God meant it unto good, to bring to pass, as it is this day, to save much people alive. You know, there may be somebody who's a thorn in your side that God's brought into your life. And they may mean it for evil. But God may have a purpose in it. God may mean it for good. As a witness and testimony to that person. And so, Joseph was faithful through the circumstances of life. Whatever was thrown at him or against him, you know, we have an adversary, the devil, who walketh about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And the devil surely attempted to bring Joseph down. In fact, when, when, when jo- Jacob was giving his blessing to the twelve tribes, uh, to the twelve brethren, and he's, he's blessing each one, and he says this of Joseph. Joseph is a fruitful bough. This is in Genesis 49:22. Joseph is a fruitful bough, even a fruitful bough by a well, whose branches run over the wall. The archers have sorely grieved him and shot at him and hated him. But his bow abode in strength. And the arms of his hands were made strong by the hands of the mighty God of Jacob. You see, it was Joseph's reliance on God that enabled him to triumph in the difficulties and in the triumphs of life. You know, if we want to be victorious, if we want to be faithful through all the circumstances of life, we have to rely on God, whether those times are difficult or are 